This is Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. It's just me. I'm not used to doing a whole episode myself, so this is a little strange. Something historic happened this past weekend that I think I needed to address. On Saturday, we elected a new president of the United States. I have so much respect for this man. I have so much respect for his journey. He has not been perfect, but I'm not looking for a perfect candidate. I'm looking for someone who has morals and values and qualities of a leader and leadership in them. I have been impressed with Joe Biden's journey. Uh, The fact that this man has lost his wife, his daughter, his son, and has stayed the course, has grown as a person over the years. I just have a lot of respect for Joe Biden. So congratulations to you, Joe Biden. You deserve it. You deserve to be acknowledged. And also, too, we elected an African-American and an Asian-American woman and also the first woman to become the vice president-elect of the United States of America, Kamala Devi Harris. We are honored to have um, a black woman who will help lead this country. I think that every black woman that I know at some point or another probably shed a tear this weekend just because for us, who are constantly being told that we are the bottom of the totem pole in this country to see someone who looks like us standing next to the president of the United States, the most powerful person in the country, giving her advice and expertise just shows me that while some see us at the bottom of the totem pole, we realize we're actually holding this thing up. And by we, I mean black women. So kudos to us because we deserve it. I know all the AKAs out in the world are excited. I know that for the next four years, to all of my AKA friends, I know for the next four years, y'all will be ski-weeing <laughs> uh, all across the globe. 
And you have every right to. All of the HBCU graduates, especially those at Howard University, I know that there's a level of pride that is just, it feels so good to express to know that the first vice president, black vice president of the United States of America came from your institution. So I can only imagine the excitement that you guys are experiencing at Howard University. And I just want to give y'all a round of applause. All the AKAs, Howard University, you guys deserve an applause. I am not Greek. However, I did want to acknowledge that, as I said, I have a, fr- I have a few friends that are AKAs, so I knew that they would appreciate that. I want to talk about a few things in this episode. At the end of each episode, I leave three things for my listeners to take away from the episode. Things for us to think about, things for us to act upon, things to affirm us, things to redirect the way we've been moving in certain areas. And the things are different each time. In this episode, I want to talk about three things, but I'm going to talk about them throughout the episode. So there won't be a three things at the end of the episode. We'll just talk about those three things and what I think are the next moves for us as black women in the political world within those three things. Um, all of this kind of stemmed from not this past weekend, but last weekend to this weekend. And let me explain. I was watching the shop last weekend on HBO. And I don't know if any of you who are listening, watch the shop, but it's a show that LeBron James created where there's a barbershop atmosphere and they invite different people, other athletes, celebrities, comedians, female, male, you name it, politicians, they invite them all, white, black, it doesn't matter. And they have conversations and they talk about various things. And so in this episode of The Shop, it was just Barack Obama and LeBron James. And I'm sitting there smiling and cheesing the whole time because in my mind, I'm thinking, what's better than Barack and LeBron? Like, Barack is just cool. Like, this guy is just iceberg cool, just in his conversation with LeBron and what they're talking about. And who doesn't respect LeBron James? This brother has put his career, his money, his livelihood, his name, his brand on the line to speak up against the injustices that are happening in our community. And a lot of people dislike him for it and he does not care. So I'm just sitting there cheesing, watching the show, listening to them talk. And then Barack Obama says something that just struck me to my core. He said that what happened to me was everyone showed up and by everyone, he meant black people all showed up and got me elected not once, but twice. But after they got me elected, they disengaged from the process. And so we lost the Senate, we lost the House. And so basically he's saying that he didn't have people who really wanted to work with him and help him to get anything accomplished. So he basically was at a stalemate during his term, trying to constantly deal with the politics in the Senate and in the House of Representatives. So as I'm listening to him say that, I'm thinking to myself, and I'm like, you know, he's right. We did. We showed up to the polls. We voted. 
because we were all excited about the thought that we would have a black president. And it wasn't just us. Hundreds of thousands of people, white people, voted for him too. And we got him in. We cried that night during the acceptance speech because we couldn't believe that in our lifetime we witnessed that. And then for many of us, we were like, hey, we got a black president. And we went about our lives as usual, thinking that something was going to change without realizing that we were the something that would make the change. So as I'm listening to Barack, I am starting to go down this rabbit hole of my life and my experiences and my thoughts just about politics in general. And let me just say this before I get too deep into this episode. I am not a politician. I am not trying to be a politician. Some of the people listening to this will know exactly what I'm talking about and will understand the whole process. And I won't be saying, I won't be telling you anything that you don't know. I'm here expressing what I've learned, what I'm learning and trying to give us a call to action so that we don't miss our moment. Nothing that I say here may be profound to some of you who listen. And if it's not, great. But for those of you who needed to hear this message, then this message is for you. So I began to think deeply about what my experience has been throughout my life in regards to politics. What have I ever really thought about politics? How much have I truly engaged in this process? So as I'm listening to Barack share this about what happened and I began to think about what have I invested into politics and I began to think about my upbringing and my political background. I grew up in a home where my mom and dad always voted. We didn't really talk about politics. I remember vaguely every once in a while uh, during a presidential uh, election year, my parents would talk about who they were voting for, and I would hear them talk about some of the issues that were on the table. But honestly, I really didn't pay that much attention. But I do know that I grew up in a, in a, in a household where my parents voted. I began to think about how much did I pay attention to the whole process of voting, elections, the branches of government, uh, how they affect us. And just the whole gamut of just the political world. And I've realized that as I've grown older, I have invested more of myself into understanding the process. But probably not as much as I should have. I, I'd watched the episode of The Shop with Barack Obama. And all week long, I was thinking about that episode and my investment in the political world and what I needed to be doing. If there was something more that I needed to be doing, I needed to figure that out. Fast forward to this past weekend. We all voted on Tuesday and then we wait. We wait and we watch the news. We wait and we watch the news. And so on Saturday, Joe Biden is named the president-elect and Kamala is named the vice president-elect. Madam Vice President, I actually just really like how that sounds. On a night that is supposed to be about him winning the election, 
he gives the microphone to Kamala Harris first to speak. I was blown away by that because I don't ever remember seeing that in my lifetime. I don't. I don't remember seeing that. He didn't have to give her that moment. But the respect to do that for her made me just really respect Joe Biden even more. So after Kamala is done speaking, Joe Biden comes out to give his acceptance speech and looks into the camera during his acceptance speech and thanks the black community for helping get him elected, acknowledging that we've been there from the beginning up until this very moment. And I was really blown away by that. And I know every black woman in the nation felt a way about that. And so I go to bed that night and I'm just completely like, we have got to get this right. And so from that moment on, it's really all that I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about what's next for us. Okay, so we've, we've gotten a black president and we kind of missed the mark on making sure that we set him up to succeed. We didn't show up like we should have for the legislative branch of government so that he could govern and get some things done. So I'm looking at the fact that we now have Kamala standing next to Joe Biden. What can we do to make sure that we're not ever sitting in a situation where we are praying and hoping that we don't have four more years with a man like Donald Trump again? And I have some thoughts about that that I want to share with you guys. I began to just think about the history of what I knew about black women in politics and just what I had paid attention to over the years and read over the years. And, you know, probably in the last three or four years of my life, I've spent a lot of time reading and learning just about various things. I've noticed the older I've gotten, the more inquisitive I've gotten just about things of life in general, people, stories, how processes work. And so I started thinking just about black women in politics in general, and I want to name a few black women who paved the way for Kamala to be in the position that she's in. And then I want to talk about one person in particular. If you don't know the names of these black women in politics that I'm about to mention, and I will not cover them all, so if I forget someone, please apply some grace to me, please, and thank you. If you're not familiar with who these black women are, look them up and learn about their stories. From Maria Stewart to Fannie Lou Hamer, Shirley Chisholm, Karen Bass, Barbara Jordan, Maxine Waters, Stacey Abrams, and Michelle Obama. Now there's two women actually that I really wanna talk about. I wanna talk about the Stacey Abrams effect because Stacey Abrams single-handedly, along with all of us who took our behinds down to the polls in Georgia, were able to flip this state because she registered that over 800,000 people, black people, minorities in the state of Georgia got registered to vote. And we showed up and flipped this state blue for the first time in 28 years. So I gotta give an applause to Stacey Abrams. Because Stacey Abrams is just a true queen and deserves to be mentioned. And for those of you who are not familiar with who Stacey Abrams is by now, 
uh, she was mentored by the late, great Barbara Jordan. And you have to look Barbara up, but let me just tell you a little bit about Barbara. Barbara was a beast in Texas. She was an attorney, a civil rights activist. She was a politician. She, uh, she was the real deal. And she was a mentor to Stacey Abrams. Now, the one person that I really want to focus on right here for just a second is Michelle Obama. Because whether we realize it or not, black women, there would be no Kamala Harris if Michelle Obama had not been our first lady. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that. Michelle Obama was treated worse than any first lady in the history of this country. Every stereotype that has been levied against black women, she faced. And not only did she face it, she handled it with class and grace and elegance. Michelle Obama knocked the first lady role so far out of the park that she is loved worldwide. She is a worldwide phenomenon. Black folks love Michelle, white folks love Michelle, and everybody in between. And because Michelle existed and carried herself in such a way, when Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris as his running mate, it didn't run people off. Because after you've witnessed a Michelle for eight years, I don't think for one second anybody doubted Kamala Harris and what she would bring to the table. I think that Michelle Obama set Kamala up to knock this thing out of the park because of her presence in the White House and because of how she carried herself and because of how she represented us as a black woman. So Michelle, you get applause too. So let me get to the point of this episode. I thought about the episode of the shop that I watched and what Barack said about us getting him elected and we kind of checked out on the process, the political process. And I thought about Joe Biden standing up and speaking to the power that we have in our vote and our voices as black women and how they see us at the bottom of the totem pole, but we're naming presidents. And then I thought about the 70 million people who watched a man lie to us daily, who watched him separate children from their parents and put them in cages, who knew that a pandemic was coming to our nation that could kill us and lie to us about it, causing now upwards of over 200,000 people to die. 70 million people thought that, hey, let's vote for him again. And I thought about the fact that those 70 million people aren't going anywhere. And it made me sit down and I wrote down three things that I feel that us as black women can do to continue to move our political presence forward to make sure that we are never sitting, waiting, worried that we, our children, our families, and those who come behind us will ever have to worry about a Donald Trump in office again. 
So I'm going to start with my number one, which is engage. Moving forward, black women, black people, we have got to engage into this political world and realize it's for us. This is how we get the lives that we want. This is how our interest and what concerns us and what's hindered our community and what's relevant to our lives. This is where we get it. By engaging, I mean talking to legislators, policymakers, getting involved into the political process, understanding that we have to show up and vote for more things than just the presidential election, focusing on learning and understanding the branches of government and realizing that our focus needs to be in the legislative branch of government because that is where the laws are made. And that is exactly why there were absolutely zero charges brought up against the murderers of Breonna Taylor because legislation protected them. If we want that to change, we must engage. If we want to be a part of the lawmaking process of things that protect us, that cover us, that help us build the generational wealth that we should be able to build in our communities after building this country, then we've got to engage into the political process and get comfortable because this is how we are going to create the futures for those that are behind us. If we get to experience it while we're on this earth, glory to God. But we have to understand that this is our moment. This is our moment to set the groundwork and the stage for those who will come behind us. We have the power, we have the numbers, and we just elected a president. And we cannot lose sight of that over the next four years or ever. Number two, we got to organize. Stacey Abrams has been moving about the state of Georgia and other areas of the country as well, making sure that people do not experience voter suppression, that people can vote and vote freely and register to vote. And she's been organizing and registering people left and right. But if you don't have a Stacey Abrams in your state, we got to start organizing. Because Joe Biden just said to us that we have power. We have the power to set things up the way we want them set for what concerns us and our community. By organizing, that means community leaders, church leaders, we got to get together in the area in which you live and create organizations where we're registering people to vote, where we're scheduling rides to the polls for every, every election, not just the presidential election. If we're talking about the city council, if we're talking about the mayor, if we're talking about the sheriff, whenever there is election that's taking place, we need to have organized that our community knows that it's coming. Our community knows where they can pick a ride, get a ride to the polls so that they can vote. And they need to be informed about the candidates, who the candidates are. And we need to be choosing candidates. Candidates need to be coming to us to find out what's important to us in our community. They need to be seeking us to know what can we do here because the power that we bring to the table and the turnout that we are capable of bringing to the table 
requires them to come over to our neighborhoods, to seek out leaders in our communities, to find out what is it that is needed in this community? What's needed in this school system? So as we organize, we put ourselves in a position to not just be concerned about the presidential race, although it's a big race, but we can focus on knowing who's in the Senate and how long these people have been sitting in the Senate and what have they done for us? And how long can they continue to occupy that space in a position where they are making laws that do not have us in mind? The House of Representatives, they're only in office for two years, but a lot of laws can be established in two years. Who are these people? Have these people come into our community to understand what our needs are? Trust and believe that the 70 million people who voted for Donald Trump will be organizing night and day for the next four years to make sure that they get a person back in office that they want. And let me just say this. Donald Trump was hard to stomach. He was a liar and we all knew it. He lived in a realm of reality that we all knew was lies and false. And even he knew it and continued to do it. So for black and white people, It was easy to look at him for many of us, not all of us, but for many of us, it was easy to look at him and say, hey, this guy's got to go. But y'all, what do we do when the next person who has those same values and morals and ideas as Donald Trump resurfaces, but he's a lot more polished? He has a bigger vocabulary and language and is extremely articulate in his delivery of what he's trying to do for America. Who's existed in the political world and has done some quality things. Someone who's easier to digest, better educated, more suave than Donald Trump, but has the exact same mindset, goals, an agenda that Donald Trump had. If we are not organized, this man could become president because there are 70 million people looking for that person. There needs to be clear, concise communication about what we're doing for the next four years to elect the next president or reelect Joe Biden. We need to be very clear about that. And wherever we live in our communities, we need to be organizing. Some of you women who are listening to me right now, you know the skill set that you possess. You know that you're great at organizing, pulling people together, getting people to follow you for the greater good, getting people to listen to what you have to say. You know what you bring to the table. You know that people look to you in your community. You know that you have the ability to pull people together to get things done. You, my queen, need to be organizing in your community. And number three, vote. After we engage in this process and understand that we've got to make sure that we're not only electing presidents that care about and have an agenda for the black community, 
And we also understand that we have to elect people in the Senate and in the House of Representatives where the laws are being made and understanding that process and staying engaged in election years and out. When we start to organize and plan ahead, pushing candidates, knowing who the candidates are, registering people to vote, setting up rides to the polls, informing our communities on what's coming up next and what's the next elections that we need to focus on as a community and who we need to be electing in those elections. Once we organize, we got to show up and vote for everything here on out, everything. Because if we want to see change, it starts right now. And I do believe that we have been given a second chance in the black community to figure this out. Because those 70 million people who voted for Donald Trump, they're not going anywhere. If we don't get together and engage in this political process, organize in the communities in which we live and show up and vote, we have done nothing to set up those who are coming behind us. And if we can get this right, like I said, we may not live to see it, but we will have set the next generation up for success. And there were hundreds of people who died for us to vote. There are hundreds of people who died that fought for our rights, that fought for equality that never lived to see Barack Obama take office. Representative John Lewis spent his life getting into good trouble. Getting into good trouble so that we could see a Barack Obama. He didn't live long enough to see a Kamala Harris or that we flipped the state of Georgia blue. Are we going to pick up the baton and run our leg of the race now? What good trouble are we going to set up for the next generation behind us? We have the power. We have the skills. We have the leaders. We have the intellect. What are we going to do engage organize and vote we are so grateful to Joe and Jill for welcoming our family into theirs on this incredible journey and to the woman most responsible for my presence here today my mother Shamala Gopalan Harris, who is always in our hearts. Uh, when she came here from India at the age of 19, she maybe um, didn't quite imagine this moment, but she believed so deeply in an America where a moment like this is possible. And so I am thinking about her and about the generations of women, black women, history 
paved the way for this moment tonight. Women who fought and sacrificed so much for equality and liberty and justice for all, including the black women who are often, too often, overlooked, but so often prove they are the backbone of our democracy. to secure and protect the right to vote for over a century, 100 years ago with the 19th Amendment, 55 years ago with the Voting Rights Act, and now in 2020 with a new generation of women in our country who cast their ballots and continued the fight for their fundamental right to vote and be heard. Tonight, I reflect on their struggle, their determination, and the strength of their vision to see what can be unburdened by what has been. And I stand on their shoulders. I'll see you next week with a new episode of These Three Things.